Dig a Bit, a podcast for women who want to dig into the meat of God's Word for a bit. We are glad you have taken a few minutes out of your day to listen. Our host is Cindy Colley from thecolleyhouse.org. Now grab your Bible and let's dig in. We are going to go ahead and just finish up talking about the armor of God for this last segment of our November Digging Deep study, which is about escaping with the help of the faithful. And we'll begin reading in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 11, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high or the heavenly places. Wherefore, take to you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the evil one, And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. I love this. Did you notice that in verse 11 we're told to stand? In verse 13 we are told to withstand and to stand and in verse 14 we are told to stand when we get down to verse 19 pray for me Paul says that utterance may be given to me that I may open my mouth boldly do you think that in this passage about wearing the whole armor of God that we are being admonished to be brave to be bold to realize that we have an enemy and he rules this world, the evil systems of this world. And so we as God's people are commanded here to stand. You know, we live in a society that's um, big on soft and not very big on standing, big on tolerance, not very big on rebuke, big on uh, compassion. And we are to be compassionate people but not very big on using the term sin, identifying sin, and warning of the consequences of sin. This passage about the whole armor of God is very much a bravery passage. It's telling us that we have to be prepared for difficult things that are going to come our way as we endeavor to serve the Lord here on this earth. So we talked about the girdle of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, having our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Let's talk for just a minute about the shield of faith. The shield of faith was a piece of leather stretched in metal or thick wood. And this leather was big enough to withstand those fiery darts, those arrows that might come uh, the way of the defensive party in Roman battle. This was the only part of the armor of God, the defensive armor of God that was movable. You know, you're wearing those shoes and so you can't move them around. You're wearing that girdle and so it's not something that you 
take off and move around. The breastplate of righteousness is attached to you, but here is a shield. That is the movable part of the defense. So when you, if there is a hole in the breastplate of righteousness, if, if your heart is uncovered, take out that shield of faith and put it in front of that hole. Move it around to the part that is vulnerable to the devil. And how do we do that? Well, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So we get in the Word and we apply it in practical ways to the difficulties or the challenges or the temptations that we face from the devil. Have you ever thought about the fact that you could put your shield of faith in front of someone else? Someone that you love who is who is being tempted by the devil? You could reach out and rescue. And that's what this whole unit is about this November is rescuing by uh, using the help of the faithful. So if we are faithful, we're going to be putting that shield in front of others that we see who are tempted and helping them to find ways by the word of God to resist that temptation. I would say, I would venture to say that when we practice church discipline, we're putting that shield in front of other people. We're trying to protect them from what will make them eternally lose their souls. So it is the movable part of the defensive armor. And then the helmet of salvation. The helmet of salvation was brass or leather with a decorative plume on top that actually showed which team you're on. You know, we should be able to be clearly identified as being on God's side. And that's what that plume was for. You could look at that and know which team you are fighting for. And we should be able to, for people of the world to look at us and know which team we're on because we have that those identifying marks on the helmet of our salvation. The helmet was brass or leather. It was, uh, it represents the hope of salvation. Take the helmet of salvation, it says. And I, I want to venture to say that it represents our hope of salvation. Obviously, we don't have heaven yet, but we survive. Hebrews uh, 11 verse 1, faith is the substance of those things that we are hoping for, the evidence of those things that we can't see yet. So, the helmet of salvation is our hope of salvation. We rescue hopeless people with hope. I remember once when my husband was a young preacher in uh, one of our very first works, and one of the elders came to him and said, always be sure you give them hope. Hope is so important. How would we fare in, uh, let's just say, overseas right now, our troops that are overseas, how would they fit, fare if they had no hope of victory? If they already knew they were defeated before they began? Hope in heaven is so very important. First John 1 John 1.7 says, If we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ His Son cleanses us from all sin, from all unrighteousness. I love that hope-filled verse. It would not be very hopeful, very comforting to me if I did not understand that the blood constantly keeps me as a faithful Christian. It has to be a faithful Christian, but it keeps me as someone who is walking in the light, constantly cleansed, ready to appear before my Lord at any moment. If I had to worry about sins that I committed out of ignorance or sins that I committed uh, hastily and 
perhaps death came upon me before I had the chance to think and repent of those sins, if I had to worry that all day long I'm saved and then lost and saved and then lost and saved and then lost, I don't think that I would be very hopeful of heaven. I think that I would be very fearful of hell, being constantly afraid that I would die at the wrong moment after having ignorantly sinned and not been able to repent of that sin. But that's not what 1 John 1, 7 says our lives are like. He continually cleanses us in His blood. And that word cleanse there in the Greek tense I'm told means keeps on cleansing. He keeps on cleansing us. My husband just uh, compares this so many times to a thermostat in our house. You know, in the olden days, people had to go out and get the firewood and replenish the fire all day long, and that fire would go out, and the house would go hot to cold, hot to cold, hot to cold. And the temperature in that house was dependent on a person going out every single time and getting more wood and stoking the fire. But that's not how it is in my house. There's a knob over by my bedroom, actually a digital button, over by my bedroom, and when we set that, if I set that on 69 or 70 for the winter, that temperature is maintained in my house all winter long. I don't have to go back and reset it every time that the weather gets cold outside because it is continually warming my house. That's what uh, even though I don't want to trivialize 1 John 1, 7, but it is a continual cleansing. It is constantly cleansing me every single time that I need cleansing. And what a blessing that is because Cindy, Cindy Colley needs cleansing constantly. I love the helmet of salvation. And I love the fact that it's a, a helmet is over the brain center of, of your world. You know, Hannah on her honeymoon was uh, riding around on a moped in Savannah, Georgia with Ben. And th that's my daughter and my son-in-law. And suddenly Ben was talking to Hannah and she didn't respond. And he looked back and she was lying on the pavement. And she was bleeding in some parts of her body. And, and he ran back to her and he said, Hannah, what is wrong? And she looked up at him and said, or, or what happened? How did you, what, what happened? Did you hit something? What happened? Are you okay? And she looked up at him and said, who are you? He said, well, I, I'm your husband, Hannah. I'm Ben. We got married last, last Friday night. She said, I don't know you. He said, we're taking you to the emergency room now. She said, I'm not going anywhere with you. I don't know how she knew this, but she said, I have 35 minutes left on the moped and I'm finishing up my time because I'm having fun. Well, you know what? She had a helmet on and because she had a helmet on, the, her brain was protected, her head was protected. If she hadn't had a helmet, she probably would have died. But she had a helmet and soon she began to, she had a concussion, soon she began to Remember, she had amnesia, but soon it came back, and she began to remember that, yes, indeed, she was married to Ben. She still doesn't remember the fall, but she remembers uh, that she's married to Ben, thankfully, and, and so all is well because of that helmet. 
all is well in the control center of our salvation because our, our minds, our wills, the part of us that makes the spiritual decisions, all is well because we have that helmet of salvation and we are protected from guilt, from fear, from uh, many, many, many adverse situations because heaven is in front of us. It is our helmet. It is our hope. It's him for just a minute. And call him right back after we finish this podcast because that's the way we are. We're going to go with the flow here. So finally, we have the sword of the Spirit. The word is, is the only offensive part. That's the only part that I'm going to reach out with and hurt somebody. I'm going to hurt somebody sometimes with the word. Did you hear what I said? The word is going to hurt people. It's going to call people to a life which sometimes means persecution. It's going to call people to a life that means sometimes forsaking family. It's going to call people to a life that means sacrifice. But the sword of the Spirit is what we reach out and set that tool with which we reach out and save other people from eternal hell. I love the sword of the Spirit because it gives me boldness. It gives me confidence. If I didn't have a weapon, I'd be so fearful. But I have this weapon that gives me boldness and gives me confidence and helps me to say the things that I need to say because it's not my wisdom. It is the word upon which I depend. So I trust it. And I go ahead and say what it says because it is the sword of God. So I always examine myself before I teach, realizing that James teaches us that those people who are teachers have the much greater responsibility. So I'm always going to examine what I'm about to teach, and I'm going to ignore some questions that I might tend to ask myself. I'm not going to ask myself, does this feel right to say? Is this going to hurt someone's feelings around me? Although I'm going to try to always speak the truth in love. I'm not going to really say, but if I teach her how to be saved, if she, is she going to shut me down? Are we going to stop having this friendship? Are there going to be negative repercussions in our relationship because I say the truth? I'm not going to say those things, but instead, because I'm bold with the sword of the Spirit, at least I pray that I can be bold. You pray that you can be bold, and let's pray for each other that we can be bold. And instead of asking those questions, let's just ask, does the Bible speak to this situation? Does the Bible have some relevance about the subject we're discussing? And if so, I'm not going to be afraid. I'm going to let the sword go before me the only offensive part, the only offensive part of the armor of God. I'm going to tell you, I have loved this part of our Digging Deep study. I have loved this month because we can't do this all by ourselves. We can do all things through Christ, but we really need each other too. We really are grateful that God, when He moved us out of darkness, He put us directly into the kingdom of Christ. 
where we have cohorts, where we have people who help motivate us, who help keep us accountable, who help encourage us. We will close with Colossians 1, verses 12 to 14, which say, giving thanks to the Father who has made us meet or prepared us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. The saints, a group of people who inherit together, who has delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Oh, I'm thankful to him. I'm thankful that he took me out of darkness and put me right over into the kingdom of his dear son. Let's close this month out with prayer. Father, we are so very, very thankful that you did not leave us as individuals all alone, solitarily to seek heaven, but you put us in the kingdom with the saints in light to help each other go there. Help us, Father, to realize not only the blessing, but the grave responsibility that we have toward each other as members of the family of God. Help us, Father, through the coming weeks, through the holidays, through the times that sometimes are stressful, sometimes are depressing, sometimes are lonely, many times are very, very joyful. Help us to remember to give you the glory in all things that we do. We are so very, very thankful that we get to study your word, to dig together. Help us to be diligent about your word, the sword of the Spirit. And help us to be bold in using it in the lives of the people around us. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. If you find yourself in Huntsville, Alabama, we'd love for you to worship with us at West Huntsville Church of Christ at Providence, 1519 Old Monrovia Road, Northwest. Sunday morning worship begins at 9 a.m., followed by Bible classes for all ages. We meet again at 5 p.m. for evening worship and at 7 on Wednesday night. Dig a Bit is a production of Digging Deep in God's Word, a Bible study for women. For more information, visit thecolleyhouse.org.